1: Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by Sup China. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. The weekly podcast may be a day late this week, but it is still packed full of vital information. We've got good news if you're a foreign company looking for Chinese investment, of bad news if you were holding shares of flying taxi company Ehang last week, and why if you haven't landed in an interview with Apple CEO Tim Cook by the age of 22, you might as well just give up. Here's everything you need to know about China and the world of business this week. The first ever modern railway in Laos is slated to open for use in December 2021, promoting wider people's exchanges and new business opportunities. Importantly, it is being seen as a major achievement for China's Belt and Road Initiative. The new railway will connect Vientiane, the capital of Laos, to Botan, a town bordering China, and is the Southeast Asian country's largest public works project ever undertaken, with a price tag of around $5.9 billion, nearly one-third of Laos's GDP. It is widely believed that China hopes that the China-Laos railway will be extended to Thailand and beyond, including Malaysia, and eventually Singapore. There is possibly good news if you are a foreign company looking for Chinese investment in securities and insurance products. China is considering easing capital controls to allow citizens to invest in overseas securities and insurance products as part of a series of moves to liberalize capital markets, according to a senior foreign exchange regulator. The State Administration of Foreign Exchange will study the feasibility of allowing domestic investors to use their annual foreign exchange quotas to invest in foreign capital markets, according to Ye Haisheng, director of the administration's Capital Account Management Department. More good news if you are a foreign company trying to get your hands on rare earth materials from China. Beijing increased its rare earth mining quotas for the first half of the year to a record level of 84,000 tons, a 27.6% jump from a year earlier, according to a statement released by the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology. The total quota for rare earth smelting and separation has been set at 81,000 tons, also a 27.6% hike from a year earlier, according to the statement. The announcement could ease concerns over earlier speculation that China could impose a rare earth export ban. Ehong Holdings Limited, the Chinese startup that hopes to revolutionize short-distance transport with its self-flying vehicles, has become the latest victim of short sellers. Last week, short sellers Wolfpack Research published a report which sparked a sell-off that saw Ehong shares lose more than half their value in a single day, falling from $124.09 to end at $46.30 on more than 10 times its typical volume. The report alleged a wider range of financial misconduct by the company, chief among those allegations, is that Ye Hong's relationship with its primary stated customer, Shanghai Quinxiang Intelligent Technology Company Limited, was a, quote, sham, unquote. A day after the report's release, Ye Hong came out with its own lengthy statement explaining its business model, its relationship with Kunxiang, and shooting down the allegations against it. A new report by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, a Washington-based business lobbying group, said American companies would lose hundreds of billions of dollars if they slashed investment in China or the U.S. increased tariffs, Bloomberg reported. The analysis highlighted the costs of different policies options, as the Biden administration weighs the best strategy for facing challenges posed by China, concluding American gross domestic product, Would see a one time loss of as much as $500 billion should US companies reduce foreign direct investment in China by half, while applying a 25% tariff on all two way trade would trim US GDP by $190 billion annually by 2025. A European consumer rights group has filed a complaint accusing the popular short video app TikTok of violating the rights of its users and exposing underage viewers to inappropriate material. The complaint, filed to the European Commission last week, jeopardizes TikTok's standing in the 27-nation market, which supplies roughly one-seventh of the ByteDance Limited-owned app's total users worldwide. It also puts the company at risk of being fined as much as 4% of its global annual sales under EU data protection rules. A TikTok spokesperson told Saishin that it was taking measures to better protect underage users, stating, quote, Keeping the community safe, in particular young users, as well as complying with local laws and regulations, are responsibilities that we take extremely seriously. Quote. And finally, a 22 year old Chinese university student has been catapulted to online stardom after a video of him having a one on one talk with Apple CEO Tim Cook went viral on Weibo. Cook disclosed in the video that some features of Apple products were developed based on Chinese consumers' feedback, such as the iPhone's night mode camera which automatically turns on when a low-light environment is detected, thus reducing editing trouble later. Many social media users praised the young Chinese internet interviewer, while others dismissed it as a publicity stunt by Apple, although they watched it anyway. Let's turn now to Flynn Murphy, who joins us from Beijing. Flynn is Caixin Global's company news chief and specializes in medical and pharma. Today, Flynn is going to talk to us about how the poor design of some drug trials in China led to tragic results, including hundreds of deaths. So, Flynn, welcome, and uh, let's start with some background about the drugs in question, a common class of drugs called statins. Flynn, what should we know about statins? Well, the first
0: thing to know... Um About statins is that they're used to treat certain types of heart disease. Um, A statin isn't going to save somebody when they're having a heart attack but they target the main cause of heart attacks which is cholesterol clogged arteries by reducing the amount of bad cholesterol in somebody's blood. Now we think of the heart as an organ that pumps blood but of course it also needs blood because blood carries oxygen that keeps all body cells alive. Most heart attacks are caused by deposits of cholesterol in the coronary arteries, which supply that blood. It builds up as plaque, narrowing and damaging the arteries, causing coronary artery disease. Aside from blocking the flow, those plaque deposits can rupture, and that's when things get really ugly and you often end up with a heart attack.
1: Statins aren't anything new, right? I mean, they've been around for, what, several decades, haven't they?
0: That's right. Statins have been around for more than 30 years, and they're actually on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines which is a list of medicines that people should have access to at all times. There are still debates about whether statins are overprescribed in some places and about the risks and benefits for some demographics, but overall the science has been in for some time that they're safe and effective um, for that group of, of heart diseases called coronary artery disease. That evidence was all clear to the Chinese Medical Association when it strongly recommended their use for treating coronary artery disease all the way back in 2007. And that came in two separate guidelines, one for angina, which is chest pain, often caused by clogged arteries, and the other was acute coronary syndrome, which is really serious, um, basically a rupture or a clot, um, and it's often uh, that will often result in a heart attack.
1: So Flynn, can you fill us in on this new research? Uh, what exactly has it found?
0: So it's from a team at Johns Hopkins University, which found some pretty startling things after trawling through the statin trials on the Chinese mainland, that have been published in the four big Chinese research databases, as well as a few Western ones over the past few decades. What they found, and this is in a paper they published in the British Medical Journal this month, was more than 2,000 randomised controlled trials of statins had been carried out in China, beginning from a year after those Chinese Medical Association guidelines were published. They involved more than 200,000 patients with heart disease, They were being published right up to 2019, which was the last year that the team looked at. But these trials didn't do what you'd generally expect an ethical trial of this kind to do. Give some people a new drug, and others the best existing treatment on the market. They tested old drugs against no treatment, or a placebo, which is basically a sugar pill. What that meant was 100,000 heart disease patients went without statin treatment long after the evidence was in that statins were safe and effective. The team estimated almost 600 people died unnecessarily as a result, and almost 1,000 had avoidable heart attacks.
1: That's really shocking, and uh, what makes this even more shocking is that these trials were or are now being called redundant. What what exactly is meant by redundant here, Uh, that they were totally unnecessary?
0: That's right, so the researchers labeled them redundant trials because they were basically unnecessary in their view. Now, it's not uncommon to study drugs that are already on the market, But when you already have a treatment you know works, performing placebo or no treatment trials can create all sorts of ethical issues. In fact, only 265 of the 2000 redundant trials reported approval from an ethics committee, despite Chinese law requiring institutional ethics approval for all human trials. The Johns Hopkins researchers said it's not clear whether that's because they didn't get approval, or didn't apply, or because they didn't put it in their study. But experts told me it was very hard to imagine why trials like this would have been approved on ethical grounds. Hardly any of the papers have reported their funding sources either.
1: So I guess the big question is, why were these trials carried out in the first place?
0: Yeah, so the why is a question that the researchers weren't able to answer. And they've opted not to publish any of the names of the trials, the scientists involved, or the journals they were published in. I did push for that, but they basically said this isn't about pointing fingers, it's a wider systemic issue, and it would be unfair to suggest researchers and journals are solely responsible, and they say it's likely much bigger than statins. That also makes it tough to verify whether any of the studies were fake. One of the researchers told me that research misconduct could be among the reasons why so many unnecessary trials were published. Some of the papers were suspicious. They shared similar wording or even some of the same results, but they said there was no concrete evidence of fraud. I do think we need to assume these trials really were carried out and did involve real people, unless evidence emerges to the contrary. What's interesting is that the paper was conceived by a couple of researchers from China who wanted to take a look at the quality of some of the randomised controlled drug trials coming out of the country. They only used statins as what they called a microcosm of the broader issue. And they said the problem of redundant trials in China might be far more widespread.
1: Well, Flynn, thanks for filling us in on this truly devastating story. And uh, you'll be able to hear the full story as an audio story on Friday U.S. time if you subscribe to China Stories. Flynn, we look forward to having you back on the show soon. Thanks, Kaiser. Thank you, Flynn. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin and Marcus Ryder of Caixin Global. Thanks to spring and autumn for the music. Here's stories from Caixin Global, SubChina, and many other China-focused outlets on the new China Stories podcast. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SubChina Access for our daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.